show with two retired detectives that were in the thick of New York crime, fast and hectic. They got some stories and some jokes. Even an interview with the most powerful folks. Off the cuff, off the cuff. One episode just saying enough. Get a little laughter and an interview too. everyone, and welcome to Police Tough Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, Bill Cannon, and tonight we have some special guests with us. Most of them who you're going to recognize. Well, one's not a guest. One's my co-host, Bill Grimaldi, straight out of Brooklyn. Phil, how you doing tonight? Pretty good, Billy. How about you? All right. Pretty damn good. I'm, I'm wound up a little bit. I, I see that. I see that. <laughs> but uh, when we have these difficult uh, legal cases, or potentially difficult legal cases, we always invite Joe Murray. Sometimes he can incite the crowd, you know, so uh, we like that, though. We like that he can incite the crowd. And Joe Murray, welcome to the show tonight. Thank you. Glad to be here. Good to see both of you. Joey. You, you know, this uh, this case at, at Astroland and the, uh, <coughs> the Travis Scott concert, it's, it's such a tragic thing, you know, that uh, – and, you know, now there's going to be a real long investigation in this. Not only were there eight people dead – and potentially there could be two more because I believe there's two more in the hospital that are brain dead. Uh, you know, that usually means they're just waiting to pull the plug until the family gives permission. So that potentially could be two more. And there was over 300 people hurt. So many things, many things went wrong with the security here. And when I'm hearing some of the numbers, apparently there were 500 Houston police officers there in the crowd somewhere. I don't know exactly what their role was in the security. There was an additional supposedly 700 security guards, of which some of them apparently had no training whatsoever, because uh, some of them I've seen interviewed, they were like $17 an hour off the street. Hey, what are you doing tonight? You want to work a concert? 17 an hour. And that's not okay to hire people like that. At least in New York State now, They've learned their lesson, or have they? But all security guards are supposed to be licensed by the state, and they must take at least an eight- or ten-hour uh, initial course, and they uh, must take additional training. I don't know if any of these guys – well, I'm sure some of them, but a lot of them didn't have any training. And one of the things that I'm seeing from watching and listening to a lot of the news is that it was this was oversold. And whether you say – they sold over 50,000 tickets or thousands of people snuck in. And we have proof of that. They took one of the gates and thousands came pouring through. So now you have a, a, an element that didn't pay for their tickets. And you have people that paid probably very high prices for tickets. And they're mixing up among the crowd. And I just want to make another comment about these pens they were in. All pens should have an egress and an exit an entrance and an exit. And if you cannot uh, get in easily and get out easily, that's a real security breach. There's a real problem there. 
because if you want to leave, you should be able to leave. These people were packed in so tightly that they, they couldn't leave if they wanted to. So, I mean, it's this, when you talk about, there's going to be huge investigations because there's eight deaths and potentially 10 deaths. And you see everyone doing this now, you know, pointing the finger at other people. Always, oh, it, it was the fire department's responsibility. And crowd control, at least in New York City, in, 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 inside, in clubs, that is the fire department's responsibility. Because if you overpack a club, they could call it a fire hazard. They could close the club. But this was outside. I don't know what the laws are in Houston, but the fire department in New York City is in charge of crowds. Now, as far as the way this was secured, the way this was manned, uh, I think that maybe uh, whoever was running this show, if I would have uh, witnessed, or, and it's on tape, it's on social media, thousands of people crashing the gate, maybe that was the time to cancel this show. And that, that one of those breaches occurred at 9 o'clock in the morning. The show didn't occur till 9 o'clock at night. So this was stirring up people, are partying up, people are getting all ready for this show. And look, we're going to go into a lot of different things that happen. But, you know, this was a recipe, I believe, for disaster. And there's a disaster happened. Do 50,000-person capacity concerts happen all the time across this country, across this world, without an incident? Yes. But this one, guess what? Had an incident, and eight people are dead. So we can't look past that. Phil, an opening comments. I know you have some. Well, uh, yeah, I do have some opening comments. As you said, the fire department in New York City controls uh, crowds inside establishments like restaurants, uh, dance halls, or any place where uh, you know people gather, like uh, clubs, entertainment clubs. And uh, most places have a posted uh, number on the wall. When I mean by a number, it'll say, uh, maximum occupancy, and it has a number, 150, 200, whatever it may be. Now, in large venues, you know, stadiums, uh, open areas, there's probably different regulations, different guidelines that they go by. Now, this, uh, the aerial view that you had up yesterday when we did the show, uh, Billy, uh, it showed this is just a wide open area. The, the pens look like they were way too big if there even was pens. And like we talked about, yeah, that, that that's a great photo. I mean, if you look at... It looks like there is sort of a, a rectangular figure from all the way to the left to like the middle of the screen. So that pen is, that's got to be, uh, I don't know, I'm going to take a guess, 20,000 people. That's a lot of people in that in that small section. So, uh, you know, it, they're cramped in and the way that uh, the NYP does it, uh, NYPD does it on New Year's Eve, Times Square, the pens are a lot smaller, they're more controlled, and they don't pack people in. They give people enough room to be comfortable, to move about, uh, you know, in a small area, obviously. But uh, And then we went over it. Once they're in, they can't get back out. So I think that a lot of lessons are going to be learned from this horrible tragedy that going forward, uh, none of these promoters or entertainers should make the same mistakes. And uh, I think that the model that the NYPD has put out over the many, many years of covering the, the ball drop in Times Square is probably one that uh, all of these other venues should try to mirror. But yet, Phil, it's a different type of security. This is a rap concert. There's a certain energy at a rap concert that you don't, a different energy you have at New Year's Eve. Yeah. So I I can't. I mean, I understand. Yeah, the NYP just does some things very well, but I don't think we can compare 
New Year's Eve to this concert, especially when they had uh, breaches of security with people. And I'm going to show, I'm going to put, there's a crowd expert, and I didn't know there was such a thing, <laughs> but I guess there uh, TV stations find experts of every, of every type. And I'm going to, I'm going to put this uh, gentleman. You no, know, if there was that type of a breach at New Year's Eve in Times Square, they, they would, they would clear it. They would, you know, they wouldn't proceed they proceeded with this after those there were a couple of breaches actually so yeah i think that uh you're making great points about it and uh, let's hear what this crowd expert has to say okay i i think i'm gonna put him on the screen and we'll, we'll hear what he has to say one young man who attended the concert he says there were barricades separating those who paid for a higher price ticket but why wasn't that enough because they allowed the section where the crowd crushing uh and crowd surges occur to become too dense and there was apparently no crowd management nobody was looking after that crowd that's why it's good that they separate the the uh crowds from the most the, the closest to the front but you then have to control the density and make sure you don't overcrowd that space and that you manage the crowd and keep it keep everyone safe and with the ability to leave whenever they want to yeah, it didn't seem as though, even though, and again, this young man, 14 years old, he said there were security guards manning those barricades. Again, this is his witness testimony. We don't know exactly where every guard was placed, but we've been told that they had more security than at the World Series, maybe 500 security guards. But there didn't seem to be a clear path of escape should something go down. Do you think that this was one of the main problems? This was one of the problems, and I just want to... Uh mention just because you have a lot of guards doesn't make the place safe. Were they trained properly and where were they located? Now, most guards in this situation stand behind a barricade and they can help fans if they are within arm's reach. So anyone past that point is in trouble. And often the crowd, the crowd crush at the front of the stage, we heard your segment here where, where uh, security people acknowledge they've had this problem in the past, but yet they let that kind of environment continue. When people are getting crushed and have to be removed from the front of the barricade, that's a sign that you have a problem. Crowd experts know this. Crowd experts would call for the crowd, to for the event to stop and for the crowd to be become under control, reduce the density. So they were always playing with Russian roulette. This time, they didn't get away with it. And eight people needlessly died, and hundreds have been injured. Yes, it's true. And 50,000 people in attendance. In your mind, should events like this ever be so large? They can be this large. They just have to be managed. You cannot have an unmanaged festival seating event. Festival seating, that standing room, is the most dangerous and deadly in live entertainment events. There have been similar events like this. We saw Woodstock 99, rapes and thousands of injuries in front of the stage. You might remember uh, ACDC at Salt Palace in 1991. Three young kids crushed to death in front of the stage. Two 14-year-olds and a 19-year-old. And then, of course, we all know the WHO concert tragedy in Cincinnati, 11 deaths from 14 to 27, all but four were teenagers. This, the, the promoter, the fire marshal, the police officer, the city, 
the security, the artists all know or should know of the history of unmanaged festival seating crowds, and yet they ignored the, the history, the notice, they ignored their own uh, warnings of, of concerts where kids have to be pulled over the a barricade because they're getting crushed. Yeah. They didn't take action. And of course, they ignored things like the National Fire Protection Association standard of care for festival seating events. Well, we're so Joe, comments. Yeah, you know, I, I got a funny story. You know, we we learned in the NYPD over time, because I remember, I think it was when I first got out of the academy in the late 80s, I was doing the Times Square detail and you know how we have everything blocked off, but right near where the ball gets dropped, there was a crowd surge where people just filled in and the streets were packed. They were so packed that there was a guy who was very drunk and he had a champagne bottle back when you could bring a bottle to that, that uh, event. Now they don't let you as far as I am aware. You're right. Joe. They let this guy in. He climbed up on top of, you know, the uh, the walk, don't walk sign that, that you have on the corners. He climbed up on top and he's dancing and dancing. He's drinking his champagne. And then he had to take a piss. And he whips it out and he just soaks everyone. And that oh. caused a crowd surge where everyone was dodging to get out of the way. We couldn't do anything. It was so densely packed. I am sure that was one of the incidents that, furthered our techniques and strategy about crowd control because it was i just felt bad for people because they were so jammed in here's this guy pissing on them they can't move and now they're fighting with each other to get out of the way and it was a dangerous situation so i'm looking at what happened here we really don't know what the event was like in this case it was the guy pissing on everyone but we don't know what the event was that caused it, but it it's a foreseeable event in a space of 50,000 people that something could happen. It doesn't even have to be, but it could be a gunshot. It could be, it could be anything that causes people to scatter. And then that surge, you know, pressing up against other people. It could even be the entertainment itself that somebody gets into it and he's doing something. Uh, on stage that causes that. So it's absolutely foreseeable. And, and the people that are organizing this event have to plan for that and have these like uh, uh, pressure valves, like this insulation with these uh, safety routes. Yeah, like the, those uh, parallel lines that you see in that picture, just to absorb that. Now, isn't it typical that the people in the front who paid the most closest to the stage they seem to be okay over here you know like there's well, well joe I, joe i think what you're looking at uh the stage is in the center you're looking to the left of the stage right this big, this big mass that's the that's the front that's the big mass and there's a wall oh there's a barrier here and you can see some of the yellow shirts of the security guards yes. but these are the people i think that were in the most danger because as you but could it see, looks like there's space with the, the yellow shirts. It looks like there's yeah, you know, for them, the, the people in the crowd can't get there because there's a barrier. 
So there, there, there's a channel there, and it's just if you look at the size, it's too too wide. There's too many people in there. There needed to be a lot more channels in between all of these people. Obviously, uh, in hindsight, that might have helped. But uh, and you had the out of control behavior from early on, uh, Billy. You played those videos from two o'clock in the afternoon yesterday's show. Uh, they showed people just storming the area, going through the metal detector. So there was there was early warning signs, is my point. And Joe, I think uh, you're saying it was foreseeable, 100. percent And then you had uh, Billy said there was there was some some stuff happened early in the morning. Then two o'clock there was a there was a surge of people that just ran through all the bar thousands thousands of people just ran through the barriers. So now it's two o'clock in the afternoon. The show's not until nine. What they do about it? It doesn't look like they did anything. It's so important. You you make a great point, Philly. When they had that incident at nine o'clock in the morning, a thousand people rushed through. It's not so much that they're rushing through. I mean, you know, they they're not paying and rushing through. Joe, so there's there it, is, there it is on the screen. You can yeah. see this is thousands, and they knocked the fence down. So this yeah. is thousands of people that didn't have tickets. They're not being vetted. They're not being uh, searched. So who knows what they have as far as things that they're not supposed to be bringing into the concert, i.e. So drugs so or true. alcohol. Now, so when you see on, that, you yeah. have to prepare and say, wait a second, we lost it with a thousand people already. So you got to bring the troops in. You got to make sure you thin that crowd. You have those barriers. How, how, how about just canceling the venue? I mean, when you, it, Billy didn't show it on that last clip, but there was metal detectors set up that everybody was supposed to pass through and they mm -hmm. just stampeded it, went right around them, over them, through them. And, and that's two o'clock in the afternoon. So I think that, uh, you know, they, they had to make a decision and there's been several concerts canceled in the past. I, I, I have five or six of them written down and, you know, uh, based on fire marshals regulations, that national fire protection association standards, there's people that are in charge that will actually call an event and say, Nope, you know, it, it's too dangerous. Uh, you can't do it. And, uh, Billy brought up a point when we were on this, uh, yesterday that, a lot of times they'll uh, they'll cut corners when they realize that uh, you know there's a lot of money to be made. They're cutting corners on security and different things, and they'll do anything to get the show off because if the show actually starts, doesn't even have to finish, which with Ticketmaster and all of that, you, you don't get money back. You know, so that's what their goal is. Their goal is to get the show off. If they get a half a show, they don't have to give money back. But if the show is canceled before they actually take the stage, then you're talking about refunds and. The almighty dollar comes into play. Always comes down to the dollar. You know, one of the things also when we talk about Andy the Gabby Cabby's on hey, the air. There he is, the Gabby. Thank Gabby. you for the uh, thank you for the five dollar super chat. Hello, you three. Hope you are well. We're doing very well, Andy. Welcome to the show. Um, one of the things that they mentioned, and we talk about cutting corners that make things more dangerous in show business. We saw that on the set of Rust, yes. where they hired an armorer and she had another, she was wearing a second hat. Whether that contributed to the uh, negligence or not, well, you know, let the investigation play out. They hired an assistant producer that seemed like uh, he was lax on his safety precautions. And the movie itself was they were cut rate. They were trying to cut, use non-union labor. In this instance, you heard them say they that they sold these tickets that experts said, we tell them, do not have that general admission type standing room only. It's the most dangerous type of setup for a concert yet they don't listen because they make the most money selling mm -hmm. those type of tickets 
And, you know, look, I don't look, I'm, I'm too old to stand up for a concert. If I don't have a seat, I'm not going, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, uh, I'm not standing like in a cow pasture waiting to hear, uh, you know, someone sing or whatever, but let's also underline the fact that this doesn't just happen at rap concerts. This happens at rock and roll concerts. 1979, 11 people were killed in Cincinnati, Ohio, going into a Who concert. Same thing. It was general admission. And people got there early thinking they could get the better seats or standing room. And they pushed, all tried to push through this narrow entry, and 11 people got crushed to death. Mm. So this has been a problem in, uh, you know, in rock and roll and rap. And it's a problem with huge crowds. But that the, the expert hit it on the head. Look, you don't, um, the security for the World Series is not the same as the security for a concert. It's just apples and oranges. So let's make sure we we underline that. I'm going to put another um, expert on the screen. Uh, he's talking about the social media and all the stuff they've heard uh, on social media since this this concert. Uh, has, has happened. We've been seeing since very early this morning and since this event started, and that's just one of utter and complete chaos. So as these posts describe, you have this massive crowd that's there. Everybody's waiting, 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 waiting for this concert to start, for the main uh, concert to cart, the main artist, Travis Scott, to come out. And so as it got closer to time for Travis Scott to come out, everybody started going closer and closer and closer to that main stage. So you have a lot of people on social media describing that they couldn't get to the front, so they were kind of off to the side, and you had metal barriers there. One young lady described that that metal barrier was at about at her chest. So you have all of these people encroaching on the stage, kind of inching closer and closer and packing in tighter and tighter and tighter, and you had a lot of this pent-up energy waiting for this concert to start. And so a lot of people described that once they got into that crowd, they turned around. They weren't leaving. As one, like I said, one young lady described it as where your feet were planted were where they stayed you were not moving a colleague of mine his son was there said his son was at the front as they were close to the front he turned around there was no way to get out at that point and so you could see it on social media we had everybody with their phones out when travis scott came out i mean it was an incredible entrance the pyrotechnics went off you had the display the crowd just a massive release of energy and so everybody starts surging forward at that point and that's when you start hearing from some people that some people started getting trampled, some people started getting crushed, screaming for help, but it was just mass chaos. The that we're showing now, that was from earlier in the day where you had dozens of people that toppled a security fence because they wanted to bypass uh, checkpoints. You had the aggression earlier in the day. There were several people detained from this particular incident, but you couldn't get everybody. I was also speaking with somebody else that when you have a massive crowd like that, it is very difficult to to plan for every single contingency. And then when you have a crowd that tightly packed, it is very difficult to get either police officers or paramedics in there very quickly because you have confusion. The people in the back know the people in the front are getting crushed. You know, the whole point of what he's talking about is that, um, I don't know what that sound is I'm hearing. Getting the whole, yeah, the whole point of what he's talking about is that people shouldn't be packed that close together because that's inviting disaster and maybe they should be put those you know that open seating or open standing maybe it should be broken up into 10 or 15 or 20 different pens rather than one because now 
when people surge, the people in the front are going to get crushed. And that's that's the horror of this. But again, it has to do with dollars and cents. They make more money when they do that. And uh, this this is the horrors that, you know, Joe, let's talk about a little bit of liability here. And now there are so many, so many people liable here that, uh, you know, the artist, the artist is liable, right? I, I think uh, I think it's hard to say exactly who because we don't know who the players are, but I would think that the security was an independent contractor who was hired to do it. I don't know if they were employees of the actual venue, but uh, yeah, there's there's definitely some liability uh, plenty to go around here because this was entirely foreseeable. Clearly, the security was insufficient when you saw that video of the, the breakthrough of the gate. You know, what really bothers me is, yes, they, they had set up metal detectors. But if a thousand people went through without going through a metal detector and you still chose to continue with the concert, you know, without rescreening these people, you know, they're lucky that something horrible didn't happen as far as, you know, with weapons. Uh, so yeah, I, I mm, this is uh, it's ugly. You know, and apparently there was a lot of, uh, as I said earlier, there was a lot of Houston police officers working security at this concert uh, off duty, the way the uh, NYPD has off duty security for their officers. So again, that brings in another level of liability. The Houston Police Department are the cops independent contractors, or are they working for the Houston Police Department? Then, of course, we have the fire department uh, that usually in most cities runs crowd control. And they were consulted. I know I saw the fire chief on the air, and he was doing one of these too, you know. He was uh, he was pointing the fingers in different directions. Um, one of the things that we were baffled at was that they were told up on the stage that this carnage was going on in the crowd, yet the concert wasn't stopped. And I, I heard some people say uh, that they were concerned that if they stopped the concert, there would be like a mass riot. But you could stop it and explain to the crowd, look, we have, we're going to come back on. we got to stop. There's some uh, people that can't breathe out there. They're getting crushed. Please uh, be cooperative. In that way, they had to do that. And they did. They kept the concert going for like 39 more minutes. And now more and more people were getting hurt. You know, so it's... Phil, what do you think about that? Well, Billy, the way I understand it from the little bit of uh, research that I did in these crush incidents, the people that are pushing one way towards the front uh, are getting uh, energy to get close to the stage. So, they, so they're pushing, they're trying to get close to the stage. And then the people that are getting pushed up at the front are now pushing back. So it's the people in the middle that really sustained. Now, when I say the middle, it could be three or four people deep back from the front or three or four people in from the back end of it. You know, all of those people are the ones that apparently sustained the injuries, the, the crush injuries. Now, uh, you can clearly see that if you're in one of these crowds, you could probably only see a few feet, 10 feet in front of you that, you know, what's going on. You're not able to see because you're so packed in how far. So I don't think the people who were pushing, now I'm not trying to give them an out or sympathize with them or take their side, but I don't think they realized what they were doing. Now, had somebody gone on that stage like Travis 
Smith or whatever his name is, Scott uh, Travis, Travis Scott, Scott um, and said to shows you how much I'm up on these rappers, but uh, <laughs> uh, had, had he grabbed the microphone and said, all right, stop, stop guys. Listen, we got a little situation. We're going to take a little break. Um, there's some people that need a medical assistance, blah, blah, blah. Just everybody try and go back a little bit. We'll take the concert up in a few minutes, something to that effect that may have prevented uh, deaths and serious injuries. And another point I want to make real quick, you mentioned Billy, we're going back to 1979 with the who concert. That's over 40 years. And there's been incident after incident, after incident, 11 dead, uh, 2,400 dead in Saudi Arabia, 2015, and all these other cases, a hundred dead. Um, we got to get better at this. I mean, we've had thousands and, and hundreds of thousands of these events where nobody gets hurt like that. Or, you know, there's, there's always these, uh, you know, minor uh, EMS type, uh, you know, somebody faints, passes out from heat or whatever. But, you know, you're talking about thousands of people in those few incidents we just talked about since the 70s. And it doesn't seem like we're getting better at it. And I feel like we have the tools to make these things more safer and better where these, these incidents aren't going to happen. And, uh, you know, apparently they weren't followed in, in this particular case. I, well, I Phil, you, you heard that crowd experts say that, yes, we can handle crowds this size, but you have to be proactive in these pens. And if they, they see they're getting overcrowded, they have to do something about it. They can't exactly. keep pouring people into those pens where people are like this, you know, they're, they're crushed. And, it, you know, I'm going to show another little video of what it looked like from the crowd's point of view. This video from a crowd member at Travis Scott's Astro World Fest shows people stuck together, terrified, screaming, some sensing what's next. Officials in Houston, Texas say at least eight people have died. One person's age is unknown. Everyone else was under 30 years old, the youngest just 14, after a horrific stampede at the show Friday night while Travis Scott performed. Because literally I was in that like initial group, like up close to the stage, and I literally was like this the whole time, and I couldn't move. So like as soon as he came out, the wave just like kind of crushed me in. And I was like this, I was being controlled by everybody. And I had to like keep my head up like this, like towards the sky so I can breathe. Rapper Roddy Rich, who was also in the lineup, says he is donating his pay from the show to families of the victims. On Instagram over the weekend, Travis Scott posted this. I just want to send out prayers to the, to the ones that was lost last night. We're actually working right now to identify the families so we can help assist them through this tough time. His girlfriend, Kylie Jenner, chiming in on social media as well. She says neither one of them knew anyone died until after the event was over. Travis Scott says he didn't know how bad things had gotten in the crowd. Many videos on social media appear to show Travis watching people carry someone away while continuing to hum. Houston's police chief reportedly told Travis Scott he was concerned about crowd control right before Friday's show. Travis Scott and concert promoter Live Nation both say they're cooperating with authorities. As they say, it is now a criminal investigation. Officials say at least one security guard was pricked by someone who may have injected him with a drug. Concert goers have already filed at least two lawsuits against Travis Scott and Live Nation. Scott will reportedly pay out of pocket for the funerals of the deceased and mental health services will be offered to anyone who attended that concert free of cost. 
I think I need some mental health services just watching this thing. You know, I can't imagine being in that crowd. You see the guy had his hands up. He couldn't bring his hands back down. Like you can't, that's how packed in they are. You know, I was going to say how dangerous it would be if somebody fell. I don't think oh, you can fall. You fall, you fall, you're dead. Yeah, I mean, you're going to get trampled. Uh, you know, it's not you're in that little that little crush during the day. People were on the floor that got trampled. You, it, it, when Billy showed uh, the first, uh, I don't know if it was the first, but sometime during the day, I think it was around the two o'clock hour when they uh, they rushed the gate and and some people fell. And again, you you have a few hundred people there that we see. Maybe I don't know how long that that goes on for, but anywhere from a few hundred to thousands. Uh, are in there now the 50,000 number is no longer 50,000 you know how many how many got in by pushing in five ten thousand you know it, it's all super dangerous uh the, these uh these occupancy levels seem to be uh they were just ignored and uh you know there was definitely uh, an overabundance of people there and the crush started and uh you know you have the uh the the, the deaths you know it's yeah. it's really scary to see. Like, could you imagine the mystery maven Joe Murray? Hi, what are your thoughts regarding arbitration clause versus limitation of liability? In my opinion, it's going to be tricky lawsuit uh, against the promoter who sold tickets. Wow, this is a real technical question for Joe Murray, but we have the professor those. of. <laughs> I hate those arbitration clauses. Uh, I have a couple of cases where you know, I I, I dread them because. It, it removes you from going to court, it removes your due process in court. You go before some, you know, retired judge who's now, uh, you know, a mediator and uh, you argue a case there. It, it really just takes your right. I'll give you an example. Well, here, here's where I think they're going to have a problem. You will not, you will not be able to enforce an arbitration clause on a minor. Miners are incapable of entering into contracts. So by purchasing the ticket, there's, I'm assuming Mr. Emave is referring to, there's an arbitration clause. When you purchase this ticket, you can't file a lawsuit. But that doesn't apply to minors because they're incapable of consenting to a contract. So I think there will be a lot of people that will still file suits, but I can't stand them. I, well, I Joe, how about even, how about even... How about even an artist uh, egging on the crowd to 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 rush the stage? Is that a putting liability yeah. on the artist? Sure. That if that is the proximate cause of what led to somebody getting injured, absolutely. You know, that's, I think that's, there's been uh, he's had a history of this. Of of he actually got arrested in Chicago, I think, for something like that, and he was charged with disorderly conduct. I just want to play this also. It's main entrance. And so for folks at home, you can take a look at kind of the layout of things and stand you as well. Uh, this image shows the entrance and that included wristband scanners, metal detectors. There were pat downs, bag checks, canines. There was snow fencing. And then those concrete bollards. It's basically those round things that you see outside of arenas uh, made of concrete. So now I want to show you a clip stand of the entrance gates and the crowd. This is some video of people once they basically opened things up, and this is fans pushing over those metal rails, those barricades that we talked about, and climbing over one another to get in after those security measures I laid out had already been put into place. So Stan, my question to you is, was all of this a precursor for what was to come later on Friday night? 
Very definitely. Uh, this was a precursor. Um, the entryway that you're showing uh, has those uh, uh, pieces of equipment there to regulate the ingress of the crowd in an orderly fashion uh, that leads to a ticket taking and a what's called a drop count where the ticket is torn into and the other half is dropped in a drop count so that we can ensure that we get to the number of uh, people that are authorized to be in the venue. Uh, this is reported to be 50,000. Uh, in looking at the crowd uh, density, I'm going to agree with the uh, fire chief, uh, Chief Pena, who at 9.38 in the evening said, I'm gonna shut it down. Uh, this density is far exceeding uh, the 50,000. So my conclusion is that the people you see coming in in this manner, they were free. They penetrated a soft entry point, got through. I suspect it probably was the uh, VIP area uh, that traditionally and uh, historically has produced uh, free entry for people that want to get in. That, that's one of the places I look at and I've seen uh, that type of thing occur over and over again. Um, there were security officers there. My information has it. There weren't police officers there, uh, which could have uh, possibly slowed or stemmed uh, the uh, entry of free patrons. Well, let me ask you before I move on to this next map of, of the inside of the of the venue. If something like that happens, it did. We saw it. There's video out there. Um, I know that in the documents, this 56-page document, they are told uh, the security on hand do not engage the crowd, await instructions from event control. So after that first incident. Should more have been done to make sure that a perimeter was set up, that they were prepared for a crowd that was uh, qualified to surge? Yes. Um, I haven't read the document that you're referring to. I just want to comment on that. And one of the things is once you lose the crowd, it's too late to put in post-incident uh, security measures. And they lost the crowd. They lost it. This was one of the places they lost it. And you heard the experts refer to that area as a soft target. If it was known that that was the soft target, that was the soft spot that people by the thousands could take the gate. And I watched that same tape from that same area numerous times on different stations. And there was mounted cops there. But it was they lost it. They couldn't do anything. When you're outnumbered that much, once you lose it, you cannot get it back. You know, just just kind of in comparison, I hear what you're saying about losing the crowd, but we've had, especially, you know, when we were on the job, we had the Tompkins Square Park riots, the Crown Heights riots, the Washington Heights riots, and we had disorder control training. We, you know, you can't take it on individually. It has to be a uniformed approach and we would form a wedge and we would do all that stuff and we would be organized in the way that we addressed a crowd and divided it up and then dealt with it that way. But to just, I heard they were hiring people off the street just to come and work security. You need that type of training. I mean, even these 500 officers, I don't know if they were you know, prepared to do this type of large scale disorder control where you're, you're taking back now areas that you lost to the crowd so but i think it can be done 
you know, we've been trained in how to do it. I, I think it's something that should have been in place. Diane B., thank you so much. New member joining the uh, Police Off the Cuff YouTube family. Thank you so much. Welcome to our family. Folks, if you're not subscribed to uh, Police Off the Cuff, please go on our YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. It's free to hit that subscribe button. Ring the bell and give us a thumbs up, all right? We also have a membership that I'm talking about uh, for $2.99 a month. You're the bucket for $6.99 a month. You can have coffee with Canon. For $9.99 a month, you can polish my rack. For $24.99 a month, you're dipped in butter. And for the vault, vaunted one member at $49.99 a month is heated dipped in butter. So if you want to join our family, those are the levels. So, you know, when I watch this, and I appreciate everything you and uh, Phil are saying, but we've all been at numerous, you know, large crowd things, particularly Times Square. We've been to riots. We've been to all of that type of thing. But usually what can help stem riots, of course, is well-trained police officers that are allowed to take action. Because if the police officers are there like the soldiers in March of, a wooden, March of the Wooden Soldiers, they're not going to do much. But one of the ways that you stop a crowd is you you arrest people. You start arresting people, and then the rest of the crowd realizes, wow, they're serious. They're locking people up. But without a uniform presence there, which there wasn't, there was just guys wearing those yellow metallic vests saying security on them. They don't get the same respect. And when you saw those people just pouring through like that, there were people I saw getting crushed during that, you know, yeah. so that that is so dangerous and it's just such lawlessness. And, you know, with crowd security where everyone's getting wanded, they're getting uh, patted down for bringing alcohol or drugs in. That's so dangerous. And maybe at that point when that occurred, maybe they should have canceled the concert. You know, Bill, they, uh, though, for, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead, Joey. Go. Uh, I have to say, though, I was at, uh, I went to Houston. We were at the Toyota Center for the UFC. I went there to, to watch uh, Mike Giesa fight. And uh, I got to hand it to these Houston police officers. They were in control. Because don't forget, the mass rush to get in and then to get out. There's so many people on the street. They were so organized. And they they really, I felt safe. You know, throughout, you know, when we left there, we walked and we, what was the name of that steakhouse you went to? That was fantastic. No, no, over in uh, Houston. Anyway, uh, I, I got a hand, you know. Who is that lady off the screen? <laughs> <laughs> Who is that phantom hey, that's uh, not on? She's not in the show, but she's <laughs> she's off the set. Who is that? Is that your partner in uh, your, your new show, Angie? Listen, allegedly guilty is, is uh, it's really happening. She's doing it for my birthday. That was just so wonderful of her. My birthday is Saturday, November 13th. And she's Happy like, birthday. I'm going to do this for you. Put this thing together. So it's going to be Happy a lot of birthday, fun. Joe. Thank you. That, that's fantastic. But, uh, yeah, I got to say, Houston really did you know, a job because that Toyota center was massive and the people were just pouring out of there and then the music started and Joe, how know, about the, how about the fire chief? I mean, that last uh, uh, tape that, uh, that Billy played the fire chief decides at nine thirty eight he's shutting it down. And again, uh, you know, if everybody's got their eye on Travis Scott 
All he had to do was make an announcement early on, and it could have maybe saved some lives. I mean, I don't know, but uh, I would think he didn't. At one point, he did say, all right, we need uh, medical attention over here. Somebody fainted. He did do that at one point, but he needed to, somebody needed to take control of that whole situation, that whole concert. And, you know, you don't say you're going to shut it down because then, again, we talked about maybe there's going to be riots breaking out that they're shutting it down early. But we got a little situation, you know, you calm everybody and, uh, you know, you you try to restore some order and and get help to those people. But again, the fire marshal at at 938 decides to shut it down. I think it was a little too late at that point. I think think exactly what you said, though. They were worried what's going to happen. If they shut it down, is it going to be a riot? Is it going to be, you know, something? So it's it's kind of a cost benefit. They're weighing, geez, you know, we have a couple of casualties here, but if we shut it down, we can have ten times that. So I think that was probably something that came into the, you know, I'm sure. I'm sure. Let me play a little bit of this during the day on Friday, um, as it was clear that the crowd there was um, Uh, getting, you know, was rowdy and. Um, but earlier in the day, so not when uh, the sort of stampedes were occurring, but went there and sort of uh, reminded uh, uh, Travis Scott that back in 2019, he'd also had an issue at his concert and there'd been some stampeding and some people injured. And sort of just, you know, as a kind of mentor, went to talk to the younger man and say, you know, just this is kind of the kinds of fans you have. They're very devoted. And just to be aware of that. Is there a sense of what kind of impact that had? And I wonder because noted in the report, Uh, your report is that yes, Chief Finner knows Travis Scott, but that he also likes him, right? He sees him as this hometown boy who's there doing something that's really good for the community, for the economy. Is it possible that this was a warning that was sort of just more jovial? Well, I don't think we know exactly how it was conveyed or how it was received at this point, but I do know that officials here um, have talked to me at least, a lot about how um, what Travis Scott was trying to do with Astroworld and what he was doing earlier in the week. He had been at an elementary school to you know, open up a community garden uh, that he had supported. And his foundation does do some work in, uh, in Houston. So I think there's a lot of, um, you know, the devastation is felt particularly close, uh, even amongst top officials in Houston um, because of this, uh, you know, and, and the victims too, you know, people came from all over to go to this concert, but they also came, you know, from right here in Houston. And in fact, one of the um, youngest victim, a 16-year-old, um, went to the high school down the street from, from my place in Houston. And so it really is something that's felt by the community at large. And I think there was this sort of sense that, you know, Travis Scott um, was trying to do good. And I think there was some defensiveness of him. And we'll see how that plays out in the investigation. Yeah, look, it's it's so upsetting with these young folks who have died in this and been injured. David, thank you for the great reporting. Thanks so much. All right, I want to bring in Noah Shackman, editor-in-chief of Rolling Stone. I really appreciate you coming in and talking about this. Travis Scott concerts. What's the history here? The history is a pretty violent one. Uh, Back in 2017 here in New York, uh, Travis Scott uh, begged a a fan to jump off a second-story balcony. That fan was luckily uh, okay, but another fan says that he was pushed off and was ultimately paralyzed at that show. And despite that, Travis Scott talked to lyrics about how he needs to see injuries in the mosh pit. There's been other incidents uh, in uh, later years, in 2019. Whole new spin. And, uh, you know, the warning signs on this one go way, way back, unfortunately. One of the things apparently he said from the stage this time is, you know, he wanted to see the ground shake with the crowd there. 
I guess it depends on what he meant by that, right? Yeah, I mean, look, things like that, I want to see the ground shake, all that. That's all fine as far as I'm concerned. But what did happen was, as a previous guest noted, is the show was stopped three times. And it wasn't stopped and then stopped permanently. It was stopped and then resumed. And that's a problem because after the very first song, fans were chanting, stop the show, stop the show. And the show didn't stop. It went on for another, you know, 35 minutes or so. What's not clear, at least not yet, is how much Travis Scott knew from the stage correct. about exactly what was happening. Yeah, correct. He didn't know. But again, there were warning signs, not just on Travis Scott's behalf, but look, just a month earlier at that exact same place in Houston, Energy Field, uh, a rapper named Playboy Cardi was scheduled to perform. There were early warning signs at that show that it was not going to be safe, and the show was canceled at the last minute. At this show, there were early warning signs way, way, way before Scott played early in the day that fans were rushing certain areas or were rushing in without tickets and that there was going to be an unsafe environment. An AP photographer uh, texted uh, management to say, hey, this wasn't, you know, something's not right here, something's unsafe, and yet the show went on. And whatever he knew. Scary, right? Scary. Very, all those. Scary. I'm and then you have that element that they're talking about that he he goaded somebody to jump off a second story balcony and a, and a, another person got pushed and was paralyzed. So there's a now you're talking about a track record of uh, safety issues and uh, him egging people to jump from a second floor balcony. I mean, you know, I, I know that I doubt very very highly that he knew what was going on and continued on. And, and you know, I don't think he wanted any of this, but there's a certain responsibility that you have as a performer and an entertainer to keep people safe. And uh, you know, it doesn't sound like. I mean, based on what that that last uh, video that Billy just put up, uh, the show was stopped two or three times and it went on. And and I don't think there was any. Uh, you know, announcements about, you know, pushback or people are being crushed or there's people that need uh, help. Uh, you know, uh, there, there was a lot of things could have been done. They didn't do any of them. So uh, I think there's going to be some heavy liability to go around for plenty here. Yeah. Pip, Pip Arrow from the UK, uh, Brian Enton, has just tweeted that he just interviewed the fire chief. Very interesting to read. You know, the fire chief apparently wanted to shut it down, and I don't know if he was talked out of it, and that was – uh I think they said at 9.39 or whatever the time was, he wanted to shut the concert down. They were afraid that if he did, there would have been a stampede, maybe mass riots. So, uh, you know, all of these things have to be taken into consideration. And the biggest thing that all these security experts said was there was a not enough personal space for each concert goer. They were crushed up against each other. And that's that's not okay, obviously. Yeah, you know what it sounds like, Billy. It sounds like they sold fifty thousand tickets, and maybe that arena was uh, comfortably hold fifty thousand with the way they had it set up. But it sounds like many, many more showed up. It is, you know, they go on social media. They say, yeah, you know, go to this uh, location, go to that location, uh, with or without tickets, and you have this uh, horrible tragedy that occurs. I'm telling you, that's it's going to wind up being there was way more than 50,000 people there and the push to get in and uh, people in the back when the fireworks start going off, they all want to see it. They start pushing. Next thing you know, you have the domino effect and uh, people are getting crushed to death. You know, with all I, these crowd experts, I was hoping to hear uh, like what a comfortable ratio should be at a concert like this. They said it estimated like 50,000 people. And they had a thousand combination of police and security. So that's one police officer or security officer for 50 people in a tight 
venue like this, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what the reasonable standard of care is for that. Should you have had a higher ratio uh, or, or lower? But, you know, the decision to shut this down is a little troubling to me without having the proper, you know, numbers, people to support that and enforce that safely because as we discussed it could have erupted into like a riot so i i don't, I don't know what the planning was on that even the fire commission delaying it so long maybe they were trying to get more resources to the arena so that they could safely you know escort people out and end the concert uh i don't know but i i, I really think there's a, a big problem here this should not happen we shouldn't worry about our kids going to a concert and then getting crushed to death. You know, Joe, and apparently there was a 54-page document obtained by, I think, CNN. Of course, they're going to read that document um, that d- defined how they were going to work the security for this show. So it's probably uh, a document that is used over and over and over again. Maybe some of it was uh, customized for this particular venue, this particular uh, crowd. But, you know, you can't account for the unforeseen. However, you must react it. You must react to it. And they didn't react very well at all. When people started getting crushed, there should have been some official that could contact the stage that had the authority to tell whoever the most powerful person was on that stage, we need to shut this down right now. You know, stop the concert and maybe stop it and restart it, or maybe stop it and end it right there. But there was none of that. There, that wasn't uh, that wasn't available. Yeah, I'm disappointed in it. And like you said, the fire department has the ultimate say, but they don't have the numbers to enforce something like that. So I really put this on the police commissioner. If I'm the police commissioner of my city and I have a major event, I don't care if it's you know the uh, with the campaigns, how they have their, uh, their party, uh, uh, you know, I forget, I'm losing my mind, but, uh, I don't care what the event is, whether it's a rap concert, a rock concert, a country music, whatever the event, you have a large scale event. It could be a demonstration, the million man March. It's gotta be the law enforcement, uh, professionals that oversee this. And you have to have contingency plans. That's what we do with OMAP and all the emergency uh, uh, operations we have. In the event that something terrible happens, look what happened in Las Vegas out, out in Nevada when they had that concert and there was a guy picking people off. You know, you have to have contingency plans for emergencies. And the failure to do so, I think, rests with the police department. Although I, I got to tip my hat to them. I was there in Houston and saw how proficient they were at handling numbers and crowd control. And I, I, you know, I just, you know, actually surprised by this, you know, to see that. But, but like Joe, the, happen. the event, the event you were at, were, were there uniform cops there? Yes. The, and they yeah, were, I, they were cops. Like they were command cops, like, you know, being authoritative and making sure being courteous, but you knew there were cops, you know? But you didn't see, other than those two mounted officers I saw uh, at the gate where the people stormed the gate, I didn't see any uniform Houston officers there. They may have been in the crowd and playing clothes, but 
that's not going to help when a crowd gets out of control. Well, is that the paid detail? And, and are they working in uniform? That's that's a good question. Just because they're police officers, they may have been, you know, in plain clothes. Don't forget, too, in 2021, the use of horses is frowned upon in uh, many, many states, many, many police agencies. They, uh, you know, they uh, they don't like to utilize the horses. And I've sort of NYPD mounted unit utilized. I mean, uh, there was a, a, a rap concert going on in Coney Island one time, and there had to be about 5,000 people in a block. Uh, there was the boardwalk to Surf Avenue, and it was uh, the block of the cyclone, maybe 25, 30 feet wide. And there was a bunch of chain snatches, and the, and the four horses, two on each side, went down the block. They went to the end, and they did the, uh, the sideways prance, and they cleared the block in maybe a minute or two. They cleared about 5,000 people uh, based on the duty, uh, the duty captain's uh, you know order that it became unsafe. There were too many people being robbed who was getting beat up. Clear it out, and uh, those four horses cleared, I'd say, a good 5,000 people in, in like a minute or two. So if they utilize property and there's enough properly, and if there's enough of them, I mean, Billy stated that we only saw two horses in that crowd. I don't know how many were there, but, you know, mounted unit could be a great asset in uh, crowd control. They, they, they go through extensive training, and, uh, you know, those horses are nothing to be, uh, to, to be played with. You know, a lot of people uh, – they take it real serious, you know, when they, when you got that, uh, you know, 1500 pound horse coming at you, you know, you know, yeah, Phil, I love, so I, I love, uh, I love this comment by Tweety us news horses equals bad idea because horses hate it. <laughs> oh. I love that comment. You know, yes, we're going to ask the horses. Would you guys mind working tonight? Oh, you don't want to work. You hate working concerts. Okay. We won't use you. I love that. But it's so yeah. true, Philly. I mean, those things are, those horses are massive. And when you see it as for what it is, it's an animal, you know, it's unpredictable. So I think it just, you know, people react to them differently than they do a human being. And then if you remember like the Thompson Square Park riot, they brought that helicopter down right at the tree level. <laughs> so, I mean, people scattered when that thing uh, came in. Yo, have you ever seen the, the mounted unit of the NYPD do what I said, where they 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 go into the the horses go sideways and they do like a sideways. I think they call it prancing, where the yeah. horses prance, and they did it two. Uh, in other words, there were two horses, but it was like uh, was it was like two horses, you know, right next to one another. Side by side, yeah. I and, used to, Phil. I used to do that when I scored a touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> but then they also just circle sometimes and that just yeah they, there's a lot of different people. maneuvers that they do and um i when i worked in the 7-0 precinct we had a uh a commanding officer uh deputy inspector uh melnick and he was head of the mounted unit before he came to us so he we had horses uh, there were stables in, in uh, prospect park and he took us out riding uh, when i was in anti-crime and he showed us a few different things and there's so many maneuvers that those horses can do and you know, related to crowd control and they're, they're such a great asset, but in 2021 with all the stuff that's going on, they don't want cops to have helmets at riots. They don't want them to have nightsticks or, you know, we call it hats and bats. They don't want them to have that. You know, they wait until a cop gets hit over the head with a brick or a bottle before they bring in the reinforcements that have it. And, you know, everything is really, uh, topsy turvy. And maybe that's the reason there wasn't many mounted police officers at this, at this venue, because, 
you know, they're worried about uh, being politically correct and such. You know, I don't, yeah, I don't know that to be uh, fact, but I got to tell you, I've, I think that those horses, those four horses, did what probably a couple of dozen cops couldn't do, or maybe, maybe fifty cops. Those four horses were equivalent to to clear out that block, like in in a minute or two, and and the concert was over. You know, whatever was going on was over. So you know? true. I mean, all, all summer long we had these Black Lives Matter riots going on. Not one horse. Not yep. one horse. Yep was introduced he issued nothing none of the support services highway no, nobody was brought in it was just horrible but I and how many cops were injured public safety for political correctness yeah and many many injuries i i, I know a, a good friend of mine a captain who uh, during those riots last summer uh, not the summer that just passed the summer previous 2020 uh, he sustained a uh, disabilitating injury. He's waiting to get three quarters. Uh, he's, you know, going off the job on a disability, and he was uh, right in the thick of thing. You know, a white shirt captain in one of these riots, and uh, he wound up at the bottom of the pile of uh, one of these melees. You know, and he blew out his mm -hmm. knee and his shoulder. But uh, and there's been many of those. I mean, they were in the newspaper. They were all over television when that was going on. So uh, obviously, crowd control is uh, there's techniques that could be utilized. There's you know, different manpower and then there's different uh, resources that like we mentioned the horses and uh, it looks like not much was, uh, was really utilized in this situation. Yeah. You know, guys, we're at the, uh, we're at the hour point and I thought it would just do about an hour tonight. Yeah. This, this is the second time we've covered this. And I just want to say one thing I really feel for the parents that lost the eight people that died. And apparently there's two others in a hospital, one I know that's brain dead at this point. Uh, the other may also be. So that potentially the death toll could rise to uh, 10 from 8, which is just so, so horrible. My heart goes out to those families. And I just hope in the future uh, we learn our lessons about these things and we uh, properly secure these venues. Uh, Joe, last words? Yeah, amen, Bill. I mean, that's just so tragic. We all have kids, and, you know, to think – you know, the, what a way to lose your kid. Going to a concert and getting crushed to death. I mean, that's... that's Horrible. Uh, I, I echo what you said. I mean, my heart goes out to them. You know, what tragedy that must be, you know, to... Wait a minute. He was at a concert, you know? Uh, so, yeah, thank you. Billy, last words? Last words. Uh, sympathy and condolences and prayers to the dead and injured in this horrible situation. Um, let's hope that we can learn from this horrible mistake and all the previous ones that we noted and that we could utilize better uh, strategy and control and security for safety at these large uh, events. I think that uh, the we all, all the tools are right there at our fingertips. They just got to be uh, implemented and utilized. And uh, on a last note, Joe, I know your birthday Saturday. Happy birthday ahead of time. I hope you have a great birthday and lots of luck on allegedly guilty. I think it's going to be uh, a great podcast. We we've had the 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 honor to have you on the show many times, and and your uh, your expertise in criminal law, you know, shines right through. And I think this uh, this podcast is going to be a great thing, and uh, I'm sure it's going to be popular. Good luck to you and and to your sidekick Angie as well, who's right there with you. God bless Thanks so much, Philly. Listen, you guys were the birth of this thing because I felt like I was always reminding you, allegedly guilty, allegedly <laughs> he hasn't been charged yet. So thanks. That's so much. funny. So, folks, on behalf of Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories, I'm your host, Bill Cannon, and my co-host, Phil Grimaldi, and our special guest, Joe Murray. 
have a great night and a safe evening and uh, great to have you guys here. Stay safe, everybody. Thank you. One episode, just ain't enough.